welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orris and today we'll be talking about a whole bunch of different cool brand new films. But right now we're going to be talking to Shannon Guggenheim about her new play, The Meshugana Nutcracker. And Maria is going to be interviewing her. So now I'm going to hand it off to Maria. Hi, everyone. Hi, Shannon. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us. Now, congrats on the film and the success that it's having. Now, I would like to um, ask you, what makes the, the Meshua Nutcracker a unique and different musical film? Well, uh, probably, first of all, the title is unique, isn't it? The Meshuga Nutcracker. Um, for those listeners who are not uh, maybe up on their Yiddish, the word Meshugana means crazy. It's a, a wonderfully expressive word to talk about something that is exciting and crazy and unusual. And we married that, of course, with the word nutcracker, getting that Meshugana nutcracker. And what we did is we've taken Tchaikovsky's nutcracker ballet music, all those songs that we all know because we've you know, been around during Christmas time when the mattress discounters use the Sugar Plum Fairy song and you're in an elevator and you can hear the Chinese tea song. Well, we took all those popular Tchaikovsky tunes and set them to lyrics that all celebrate Hanukkah. So it's a, a very original play on a, a very uh, tried and true classic of the Nutcracker, but it is also something that everybody can enjoy. It's not just a Hanukkah show. Sometimes yeah. people think, wow, I guess that's all there is. If, if you're, you know, if you're Jewish, you would only be the only people who would understand it. But it, it is a very broad reaching and accessible show for Jew and non-Jew alike. That's awesome. That's amazing. I personally love the musical. I really love about, about, you know, the lessons I brought and everything. Now, I would like to ask you, how long did it take to produce this show from the planning to all the practices? <laughs> sure. The, the funny thing about this show is because it is a holiday piece, we really only work on it for about four to eight weeks every year. So I suppose combined, it's really only been a couple of years, but we started writing it in 2003. In uh, that year, we just had one song, the prologue, where we were toying with this idea of what it might be like to put lyrics to the dance of the sugar plum fairy and that's how we created our song the prologue and then the following winter it evolved after workshops and many rehearsals and writing table sessions into the first version that we had created and then every year after that we've revised it and reworked it. We've come up with new costume designs, new set designs over the years. Many actors have played the parts uh, ever since 2003. And so here we are, you know, um, a bar mitzvah's worth of a lifetime later with the show that we're very happy with. We loved the previous versions, but we're very happy with this one. It's polished. It's professional. The singing is outstanding with this amazing cast of vocalists. And we've introduced a number of new stories over the years. So families who may have seen it in the past can have something to look forward to because we've got some brand new content that they will not have seen. But yeah, it's been about, um, what is that, about 13 years uh, that yeah. it's really taken it, even though we only work on it a couple of months a year. Yeah, so I know that you were very involved 
up in the show you were you did I know the choreography and then you were the co-author and then you also were part of producing the show and while you did all that you were still able to have a small acting part in the show now how was that like how was that experience that you were able to be like in all parts of the show and give really your input into <laughs> yeah, in our business, sometimes that's referred to as a vanity piece <laughs> where you write a show that you end up performing in. And that's, it is a very unique experience. I've really had a great time. I've been in the show since the beginning. I'm one of, I'm the only cast member that's played my part uh, from the beginning all the way up until this last production of the show. And it, it definitely gives me a perspective that no one else has. I know the show so intimately because I wrote the lyrics and I worked with our musical team to create the way that the songs would, would lay out. Um, but I, I, and I, mm. I'm curious of what it would be like to be in the show and not have all those other hats on. It would be a very unique experience too. Uh, but it's, it's been great. I mean, we've got a wonderful group of people that I work with both on stage and off to support everyone on the production team and in the cast. So it, it never, ever felt like, wow, I'm just wearing too many hats at the same time because we always were supported by a really great production team and cast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon, for being here with us. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions of the Voice of America Kids Network. And today we're talking about the Michigan Nutcracker. Right now I'm talking to Shannon about the musical. So, Shannon, I have one more, some more questions for you. Now, the first one is, now, what can you take from this experience? As an, as an audience member? Well, as, as an audience member, our hope for everybody who attends that is that the takeaway is, you know, in our current political climate and everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we have such amazing access to every bit of information right when it happens, whether it's good or bad or otherwise. Um, and it sometimes is a bit easy to get a little disillusioned with our with our world. And this show is truly about hope and light and the light that we bestow upon each other during this holiday season, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or any other observance during this time of year, that is really what the show has become for us. It is a way to celebrate this time of year and share in something something good and, and enjoyable and joyful. Uh, and there's too little of that, you know, the other 11 months of the year sometimes. So I, I think a lot of people sometimes get a little bogged down by the holidays. They feel it so stressful and the shopping and the family and the turkeys and all those things. And this is really an escape from that. It's a, a reminder that, you know, for everything that we're going through right now, Others have already persevered through terrifically challenging situations, and they've come out on the other side, and um, and and we all benefit from that. So that is definitely the main takeaway. If uh, if we had one, as far as creating a Hanukkah show, since the whole story is about how a very small group of people rose up against oppression and experienced a miracle. So what a what a wonderful story to tell each year. Um, and then as a performer, I mean, it, honestly, it's very similar. My takeaway, and I know that of the other actors in the show, is how wonderful to spend all season singing truly beautiful music. I, I'm not sure if I've explained, but the, the songs in the show were never intended to be sung by people. You know, the instrumentation, the, uh, the flute, the violin, the cello, the bass, all of those instruments played those themes that we all know. And like when, we, when we hum a nutcracker tune, it was because an instrument put it in our brain. Well, as singers, 
we're now being expected to sing the viola part and the flute part. And it's exceedingly difficult, but very rewarding to master something so complex and so complicated and actually become an eight piece orchestra with our voices rather than instruments. So uh, that in addition to spending the season with really great people who are very talented and very caring and gifted who love what they do, it's it's very, very satisfying. That's amazing. Yeah, we always need like the reminder of hope and faith. Now, um, since, you know, the Michigan Cracker, it is such a positive story and stuff. Um, um, how were you able to overcome some of the obstacles and just issues, maybe pacing the show with uh, the Michigan Cracker and the message it has of, of being faithful and just very the positive message? <laughs> That's a really great question because okay. as we started our research about Hanukkah, well, sorry, I'll step back a second. I already mentioned we had our title first. We had this play on words, this Meshuggah Nutcracker, crazy Nutcracker, right? All we had was a title. So we, when we went to start researching Hanukkah to figure out how we were going to make an entire musical out of this, the the research about Hanukkah is very gruesome. If you can imagine. Braveheart or any of those other really, you know, heavy war stories of revolution. That was that is really what the the story of Hanukkah is from the, the true time period. It was a three year long bloody battle between the Maccabees and the Syrians. Well, we knew we wanted to make a family show, so there was no way that we could reenact the Maccabean war with you know blood and gore. We had to balance it, and that that was the biggest challenge was trying to find ways to honor the holiday, teach about this subject matter, make sure that when folks left, they really did understand that there was the miracle of the light, that these uh, this oil should only have lasted one day, but it lasted for eight, and how miraculous, that even though the Syrians you know, persecuted the, the Jews during that time period, they were able to rise up and, um, and then save their temple. So those things had to be in the show. But as we did more research, we found other stories all set in and around the time of Hanukkah about light and hope and uh, a family whose father was lost in the snow and couldn't find his way back until the community came together in song and their voices drifted out over the the snow and the the wind and he was able to find his way home or the the child who you know was injured and couldn't walk very much a little bit like tiny tim so there's a definite nod to that story in there as well and uh, that as a result of the dreidel spinning off of the the staircase and out of her reach she had to summon her strength to get up and go and get that dreidel. So that's how we solved that big dilemma of how do we take a very bloody story and make it family friendly. Then awesome. we put everything else with the kitchen sink. We've got dancing dreidels. We've got singing donuts and latkes and a lot of humor and very broad characters to balance everything out. Well, awesome. You and the whole team did an amazing job. And from all the years of the show, what were your... What were your expectations of the show and have they been achieved? Well, one of our expectations was certainly to get the show to New York City. We were on the path to doing that last year, um, but it's very difficult. And I, I'm hoping some of your listeners who are hoping to kind of come up in the, the world of professional theater are aware of it's just it's not that easy to get a show to New York, uh, particularly during the holiday season when 
you know, all the theaters are very busy. There's a lot going on uh, and things are very expensive. And that was probably the biggest hindrance for us to get the show from California to New York. And that was really why the idea of working with Fathom Events became so perfect. Instead of working to get the show to one location where it could only be seen by one audience, now we have this opportunity for the show to be seen all over the country on the same night, uh, which is a wonderful idea um, since the show is not like most other shows where like right now you can see Aladdin, it's going to run for, you know, six, 10, 12, eight weeks, however long it's going to run in your town. And then it'll move on to the next city, right? It'll just run all year round and it might come on back around again. That wouldn't be possible with a holiday show. So this was the perfect answer by being able to work with Fathom Events and their amazing team to present it nationwide on one night on December 19th at seven o'clock, no matter where you are, you can catch it. So it's a, it's been a great solution to a, a, a sticky situation. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us, Shannon, for the interview and everything. And now I'll be passing it over. Thank you very much, Maria. And right now we're going to take a break, but before we do, I just want to remind everybody, definitely check out this play. It looks absolutely amazing. And like we said, it's only on December 19th which is really close by, so definitely go to www.themashuganutcracker.com for more information. There's also ticket sales there, so definitely check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Shalom and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. We just got done talking about Meshuggah Nutcracker, perfect for the first day of Hanukkah. We're going to continue in the show talking about the snowman and the snowman and the snow dog. Also, we're going to be talking about the new film, The Post, directed by Steven Spielberg. Can't wait to talk about that. But right now, we have the wonderful Morgan Brienne Birch from L.A. talking about the snowman. Thank you so much, Morgan, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me once again. Wonderful time. So let's talk first talk about The Snowman. So tell us a little bit about what this movie is and what did you thought of it? What you thought of it? 
Well, I am a fabulous Christian, and I do absolutely love the snowman and snow dog, and I have a really good connection to it because I am a Catholic and a Christian. And I think that um, a lot of people actually enjoy this, whether or not you are a Christian, because the animation is fabulous, honestly. That is really what this film is about, and it's all hand-drawn. That's just magnificent. And um, they actually added a new addition, which is the snowman and the snow dog. And they copied some of Raymond Briggs' uh, famous, beautiful illustration. And that's what makes that film so special and artistic and beautiful. And so when they collide them together into this special collector's edition, it just makes them both a dazzling duo, honestly. Now, Snowman is, of course, is a holiday classic film, and it's interesting that they made a, well, sequel to it with the Snowman and Snow Dog. So tell us a bit about what, um, how that film added to the magic of the story. I have to say that it added to the magic of the story because you got to see a lot more of the Snowman, and um, of course, you got to see like a little adorable dog who was made of snow, and I think that it also added to the story of just like being able to see the Christmas spirit, you know? You got to be able to see a lot more of, like, uh, fun things like Santa's Christmas tree and being able to see the reindeer. I mean, who gets to be able to pet a reindeer? Come on, that's magnificent. And then you get to see the adorable snow dog who actually brought me to tears a few times because he was so cute and lovable. And an airplane. You get to see the kid flying an airplane with a snowman, which was very cute. So, I mean, you add those all together and you just have the magic of the holidays. Now, it's we've mentioned it's the holiday season, the most wonderful time of the year. And it's interesting because we all, I think all of us have our favorite holiday movie. But what to you makes a holiday movie? Well, of course, you do have to have, now I would have to say that you have to have a snowman. <laughs> and um, probably you just have to have, like, the warm feeling, fuzzy feeling in your heart that you get. You also have to have, like, Santa and Christmas trees. Of course, you always have to have the lovable kids, always in the Christmas films, who are very sweet and innocent. And then, then angels, of course that are flying over your head, and sh uh, sugar plums dancing above your head, and cute little reindeer. And because, I mean, if you think about it, it's just really fun and enjoyable, and all those things add up to the warm, fuzzy feeling inside your heart that really just brings what is makes Christmas Christmas, and the holidays the holidays. And then a, one of the wonderful things that really brought me to the fuzzy feeling in my heart was the overview of, Lon um, overview of London. When they had that, I think that was in the Snowman and the Snow Dog, and it was absolutely fabulous. They had so many different things, and the beautiful hand-drawn um, scene that they had, like all the beautiful cinematography and stuff, was just magnificent. Well, definitely, since it's hand-drawn animation, which is definitely a animation style that it's not used very much anymore because it does take a lot, a lot of time. No disrespect to CGI. CGI has done some. We have great, great films because of CGI animation, but just something by hand-drawn animation just so makes just so humbling and just I don't know. 
Call me old fashioned, but I just like hand drawn animation. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Gumby Christmas. We're going to continue the show talking about the snowman and the snow dog, and also we're going to talk about the post. We're going to continue our conversation, though, with Morgan about the snowman and the snow dog. So, Morgan, what would you say is the age recommendation for this film? Oh my goodness, I would have to say that it's definitely 2 to 18, because everyone would definitely enjoy this heartwarming classic because of the drawings, and also, like, all the things that just built up to the fuzzy feeling, you know? Like, the snowman, the cute little dog, the singing, I mean, the music from the Sinforia of London Orchestra is magnificent, and... You will just, like, love every single bit of it because there is absolutely no words, but the music just brings, like, every single time you hear it, you're just, like, you can hear words within your brain, if that makes sense. And so, yep. And not only that, but um, at the same time, it's relaxing. You know, you just, like, want to grab a little hot chocolate or tea, if you don't like hot chocolate. And uh, put your feet back, you know, and relax. Now, if you were to describe the this film in three words, what would it be? Visually amazing. Visually amazing. That's two. One more. And stunning. Visually <laughs> amazing and stunning. Perfect. Now, compared to other, like... Like, what, do you, what is your thoughts on the hand-drawn animation? You mentioned it before and how beautiful and stunning it is, but, like, what's your opinion on that? I would think that it's, yeah, like you said, a technique that is not often used, yet something that should be used more often. Because since they used it in this particular film, you get to be able to see it as a different perspective than the rest of the films that we see today, which is part of the magic of this. And, um... I think that's something that it was really magnificent and they took a lot of work and effort about this because they actually have bonus scenes that show you how they did it. So you got oh. to see how many, um, or sorry, how long it took to actually do this, how many frames it takes to do each one and such. And, um, how long it actually takes to make those frames. And you're just like, wow, it's stunning how long and how much effort these people are actually willing to put into one single 30-minute movie, and you're like, that's just crazy. Then you, And then you're like, wow, you know, people who do uh, cinematography these days have it easy because they're just like, okay, we just have to draw on the computer, we're done, in less than, I don't know, like a day or so? Well, it does take a long time to still do the CGI. As I mentioned before, it's like, I still respect the people who do CGI work. It, it is still painstaking and there's a lot of work that goes into it but again hand-drawn animation there's just something humbling about it because of just every single frame is hand-drawn and like every artist puts it every everything all the passion and love into the colors which is what the snowman from what i've seen is still like it's just visually beautiful especially how they create the snow yeah and speaking about the snow the only thing that was CGI was the snow. They had to do that, and it did take a lot of persuasion, as a matter of fact, to get Raymond Briggs to actually do that. But the rest of it is all hand-drawn with pastels and crayons, which is something that you get to learn in the bonus scenes, um, and that's actually very fun. 
And um, I think that I really did like that factor that they had a little tad bit of CGI, but the rest of it was hand-drawn. And that's why I would give it five out of five snowmen and snow dogs. Fantastic. Five out of five snowman and snow dogs. Well, thank you so much, Morgan, for talking about the snowman and the snow dog. And also the snowman, the original. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Be sure to go check out these DVDs, because as always, to add on to your DVD collection and check out the special features, be sure to go check them out at your local stores, Target, Best Buy, Amazon, and go check them out. With that said, let's take a break. I'm your host, Keith Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by a Gumby Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry ors and you're listening kids first coming attractions right now we're going to be talking to alejandra about the brand new film justice league so alejandra how are you doing today good good i'm doing good you I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. So Justice League has been getting kind of mixed reviews as I've seen so far. So what do you think about the new film? Well, I think it's a very great addition to the to the rest of the series because a lot recently a lot of superhero movies have been released and the fans were getting really excited and they were really waiting for that movie that would bring all of them together like they did before in previous years. So I think it's good that they finally did it and they pleased the fans that were waiting for it. Well, that sounds kind of interesting. Now, something I saw that people didn't like is just how much is in this. And I kind of know that's an issue with DC films like Batman versus Superman and other films. So this, so in terms of story, do you think it's easy to follow or do you think they've shoved a little too much in it? I think... Um, it's a little hard to follow since there's a lot, or well, not a lot, but there's five superheroes. But they like their stories are really deep, and like if you have not seen the the like the movies before of them of them themselves, you won't be able to really follow up that easily. So yeah, I think they should have just put like three or four, not five. But yeah, I think it's a little hard to follow up. 
Hmm. And do you have a favorite superhero? My personal favorite is Wonder Woman, just because that film well, is yeah, amazing. Of course, yeah, my superhero. I mean, my favorite one is Wonder Woman, of course. But yeah, she. I mean, if I would choose another one, the Flash. Oh yeah, I like him, but Gal Gado, she just absolutely is awesome at that role. It's just so incredible. Yes. Now, of course, in modern times, something that superhero films absolutely need is special effects. So what do you think about the use of special effects in this one? I think, I mean, when I saw the movie, uh, it was breathtaking to see how technology has been improved has been improving throughout the years. You can see, I mean, there's like a before and after in these superhero movies that were made back then and the ones that are made right now. You can see how it's improved and how there's like new methods to create the powers that they have and like each time it seems more realistic if you see old movies where they're where they were like superpowers i mean it would seem real but not as much as now so yeah they were breathtaking when i when i was seeing when i was seeing it it was really good yeah you know i just rewatched the first avengers and even though it didn't come out that long ago i was looking at the special effects and i was thinking wow those look so what fake an upgrade. Yeah. yeah and that was just what five years ago not even yes. so it's crazy how it's improved and how you can see the difference. Like, wow, this movie, I mean, you could see, well, not fake, but you can see that it's not completely real. But in these in these movies, like, it's really hard to catch what's real and what's not. Yeah, Hollywood's really doing incredible work with modern technology. Now, yeah. o- overall, though, how many stars would you give this film and why? I would give this film four out of five stars. Um, four out of five stars because I thought it was a really good movie, very well made, but it, it was a little, it was, there was a lot going on in the movie, so I think it was, a, it was like a little hard to follow up, and that's why. Yeah, I definitely could see that being a possibility. And what did you think of acting? I know we established that Gal Gadot is absolutely amazing at what she does, but what about everybody else? Oh, no, no, no. The acting was wonderful, honestly. I mean, all the char- all the actors that they chose to give life to these characters, really, they did an amazing job. I think they did really good in, in like, choosing these actors because they they actually have, like, like the, the possession. Like, they can actually do it. It's really, like, realistic. So I think they did a really good job on, on choosing these people to portray specific characters. And do you think that they that there is any superhero f- that you'd like to see added to the Justice League? Like anybody in particular that you felt left out? No, I think no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I didn't feel that anyone was left out. I think that the group or the superheroes that they put together in this movie, I think it was a right fit. Like they made it, they made the storyline with all of them. Like it made sense. All of them in the movie made sense with the storyline they made. So I think, no, they didn't give the impression of someone being left out or anything. I see. Well, that's good to hear. And this does seem like a pretty violent action film. So what age range would you give it? Um, I would give the age range from eight years old to adults. I mean, I saw all all ages in, in the theater. I mean, it's very appropriate from that range, from eight years old to older people. All right. And just one last question. Uh, have you seen the Avengers film? No, I have not. No. Uh, no. I mean, uh, my dad is going to watch it, but no. I, I was just going to ask if there's any comparison to the Avengers, since this is a very similar kind of whole bunch of superheroes coming together. Yeah, but no. I do have one more question. Um, yeah. Something that I see very important in a lot of action films is the score, because, you know, music can ju- be just as important as the visual. So was there any soundtrack in this film? Um, not specifically, not not a soundtrack specifically, like a song of the movie. 
But I do believe like the music or the melody that they chose and for example in fight scenes the, the music that they use it gives um an extra like an an extra thing to the scene it gives it it makes it like it makes it better because the movie sets the tone for the scene so for example when they're when they're having a fight scene they put like an upbeat music like fast music so it gives it another sense but no not a specific song or anything just like melodies well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's kind of interesting just the power of music yes. can have on a scene. Yeah, you you can put, if you put a scene with a star song and then with an upbeat song, you can see the actual difference, like, of the two scenes. Like, it sets a complete different tone. Yeah, it really does. Well, thank you, Alejandra, so much for talking to me about the brand new film, Justice League. No, thank you. Thank you. Of course. For our viewers, if you'd like to check out this film, it is out now in theaters, so definitely check it out. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and right now we just finished talking to Alejandro about Justice League, and now we're going to be talking to Rachel about Super 4. Welcome to King's Island. So, Rachel, what did you think about this movie, or is it a TV show? Can you talk about it? It's a TV show. Well, it has, like, episodes, and I thought it was really good. Well, it was just... Very entertaining, even for, like, older kids, because, like, you just get into the story. And it wasn't violent, but it had a mysterious or scary feeling at times. So it sounds like it's kind of very good for kids. You're talking about how it's not very violent. and So yeah. what age range would you give it and why? I would give it um, ages 3 to 8, because 8-year-olds, they're getting a little bit on the older side. Well, that's good to hear, and so I was looking this up, and I saw that the animation was almost kind of Lego-like when you have these blocky characters moving yeah. their blocky joints. So what did you think of that style? It was good. It wasn't, like, too blocky, and it was after, like, Playmobil, but the arms would still move, so it, it didn't seem too blocky, but and it a little bit of a sense of that. And did it still look realistic? I mean, could they have a functioning story with these characters still? Yes. Well, that's good to hear. And can you kind of talk about the story a little bit? I mean, what what goes on in some of these episodes? Well, a lot of... There are four main characters named Alex, um, Twinkle, Ruby, and Jean. And they're from many different communities, like being a fairy, like technology, like nowadays, being like a prince and being a pirate and they help their communities. I see, that's kind of interesting. And since it's meant for kids, is there any kind of educational message or any kind of life moral that kids can learn from these episodes? Well, since they're combining many different like communities, it shows like diversity and how you should treat people equally, even if they're different from you. Well, that's a very important message. I think it's a very important message in our world. So I'm glad that they're teaching kids that and how many stars would you give this DVD? I would give this four and a half out of five stars because the animation was very good and it had like a very nice and funny storyline. Well, that sounds great. And what would you say is your favorite scene or favorite episode? My favorite scene was called Baby Dragon. Well, the episode was called Baby Dragon. It's about when Jean they find a baby dragon and they have to like try and bring him to his mother. And you see that Gene is trying not to show that, that he really enjoys 
like hanging out with the baby because he thinks that it's his mom. Oh, who wouldn't enjoy hanging out with the baby dragon? That sounds absolutely amazing. And do you have a favorite character? I just like all of them. They really... Well, that makes sense. And would you say that they did well kind of organizing the story? Because it can be sometimes difficult when you have multiple main characters. Yeah, but they made it really well because they changed, like, where the setting was. And they made sure that all of the characters were... It was like everyone was always together. Well, that's very good to hear. Rachel, thank you so much for talking to me about Super 4. Welcome to King's Island. Thank you. Let's take a break. If you'd like to check out Super 4, welcome to King's Island. It seems like it'd be something perfect for the holidays. It's out now. Definitely check it out. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. And we just got done talking about Super 4 and the snowman and the snow dog. And then we're going to end this show talking about the new Steven Spielberg film starring Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks together at last. The movie called The Post. And who better than talk about the Steven Spielberg film than our one and only Jerry Oris, who probably will be the next Steven Spielberg. So, <laughs> Thank you. So, um... This is the point of the show where I just let Jerry go off and talk about it because, you know, he has a lot to say about this film. So I'm just going to use the restroom. So, Jerry, talk about it. Well, thank you very much, Kiefer. I have to say you said the title wrong. It's not called The Post. It's called The Next Academy Award winning film. Oh, um, stop. Really? <laughs> it's really? It's really that good. So for people who, who've never seen a Steven Spielberg film, this film pretty much excels in every single category you could think of. The acting is absolutely perfect. I mean, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, they they aren't Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in their film. They're Kay Graham and Ben Bradley. They become their characters. And cinematography, Steven Spielberg is the king of cinematography. Every shot in this movie looks like it belongs in an art gallery. John Williams steals the spotlight and brings it to the musical side of the film. I mean, everything about this film just comes together to make an 
absolutely amazing two hours of cinema. I gotta ask. First of all, have you seen the movie Spotlight? I have not. Okay. Because here's my thing. This is a film about journalism, if I'm correct. Yes. Now, there have been previous... There has been Spotlight, um, two years ago, won Best Picture for, um, for being a film about journalism. This is another film about journalism. And this early in the, in the, in the year for films... And you're saying it may be like, what do you think it will win in the Academy, in the Oscars? I think that if it doesn't win Best Film and something really amazing needs to come out for it to top it, I think that it should at least win cinematography. What was that? Shape of Water. Go on. <laughs> because I don't know something about the cinematography, even though there's really no really long shots. I mean, every single shot I tried to time most of them, were less than 20 seconds long. It feels like one very long shot. He oriented them all in a way, so it's just one continuous motion, and it feels, it feels, and it looks so good. And I mean, during the climax of the film, which is just a phone conversation, it's extremely intense, and that's just thanks to the music and the cinematography, which just looks incredible. I mean, there's just so many things, and the lighting and everything. I mean, you could just see it from the trailer. They made this film look exactly like a film would look, I mean, 20 to 30 years ago. Perhaps they used actual film cameras. I'm not completely sure on that. But everything from the lighting to the film grain to the coloring, everything looks like it's kind of a little more retro, a little more aged. Now, what's interesting about this film is that I didn't hear about it until like a month it was supposed to come out. The advertisement for this was... I'm sorry, quite frankly, was terrible because it, it there was not a trailer until a month it was until a month it was released. So my question is is that Steven Spielberg is a great director. There's no doubt about that. And he's made some of the best film in cinema history. But there comes a point that, that he's just we're just so used to him being good that yes, this may seem like a good film, but compared to his other bodies of work. Do you really feel like it's one of his best out of his filmography? I don't think it's his best, but I think it's his best for quite a while now. Because let's be honest, lately Spielberg's film lineup hasn't really been the greatest, and that's mostly because he's been in the producing role. There have been films when he's directing recently, but honestly, a lot of them haven't been that good. There was really no film that makes you just say, wow, that's an amazing, amazing film. This one is that. It's, it's like one of those films that really deserve an Academy Award, maybe not Best Picture, but definitely an Academy Award, at least something like that. I mean, the opening scene takes place in the jungles of Vietnam during the Vietnam War. I felt like I was watching Saving Private Ryan, not The Post. That's how, that's on the, it's the same quality of level. And I understand what you're saying that, you know, people get used to how good Spielberg is, but I think people kind of forgot how good he is just because there's been quite a while since he released a really solid film. I would agree. I was never the biggest fan of Bridge of Spies. It was a good movie, but like compared to the other film, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I really think the I think the best film like he's had it was it was I mean the film that I felt like oh my gosh is really good was Lincoln, and that was like in 2013, I think. So ever since, but after that, I just feel like his films are just like good for Spielberg quality, but like not his best. So I'm glad that. He's come to his, hopefully, his former glory in this with his least dramatic work, and hopefully with Ready Player One because I'm super excited for that film by him. 
But oh, I have my I have my own separate thoughts of Ready Player One. That's well, we'll get to that when yeah. When film comes out we have a lot to talk about anyway you're listening to kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper blakesley and this show is sponsored by a gumby christmas we're going to continue the show talking to jerry about the post so jerry we talked about steven spielberg's directing style and we talked about like it's this is a film that hope that brings up his drama directing style to like the nth degree and it's great to have him back in the director's chair but we need to talk about the performances because I'm surprised it's the first time we've seen Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks together in a film before. I thought they've worked together before, but they haven't. It's two. It's two of the best. Um, uh, it's two of the best American actors of our time together at last in a film of one of the best directors of our time. So it's just like, how? Uh, so can you go more in depth about the performances in here and how they may compare? Because again, Meryl Streep has a long body of work, and Tom Hanks has a long body of work. How does that, how do their careers compare to this film? So I'm going to be focusing a little more on Meryl Streep because Tom Hanks, he kind of plays this normal role of, well, Tom Hanks, and he does the same exemplary job. But I'm going to talk about Meryl Streep because she has a more unique role. As I'm sure you know, she's a very good dramatic actor. She had roles when she's a a calmer actor, but she's extremely good at drama. This film, she barely does any drama until the very end. There's actually any time where she kind of gets the power of the scene and Ken controls it. Throughout the entire film, she is the one who's kind of being controlled and kind of connects to the story because Kay Graham, who was the first female publisher of the Washington Post, she really didn't kind of go up into that job through a lot of hard work. Her husband, who was the who was the publisher he passed away and since it's a family business she got the reins of the company that's the only reason she has the job so i think that how the way she played this character was so incredible that even though there was no real power and no real just drama from her from her character she was still able to take control of the scene still able to put the spotlight on her and I just can't describe how good her facial expressions expressions were during the climax phone call when they're trying to decide if they should publish these papers they got, that got leaked from the government or not. I mean, you could just see all her thoughts just from her eyes, which is a very hard thing to do. Definitely. And I think it's interesting because these two actors, while very great, good actors, their methods are totally different. Tom Hanks... Let's be honest, as much as I love Tom Hanks, he plays himself in a lot of his roles. Oh, yeah. He, uh, in some of his best roles, he just plays this very, uh, I don't know, I, it's just Tom Hanks. That's every time I th- look at a Tom Hanks performance, even though I love him, even though I feel like he's a very gifted actor, I see Tom Hanks. Meryl Streep, on the other hand, most of the time, at least in the best performances, I don't see Meryl Streep. Julian, Julian Julia, I don't see Meryl Streep. I see Julia Childs. I don't see... Um, Meryl Streep, I see the Iron Lady. I don't see Meryl Streep. I see um, Sophie from Sophie's Choice. I mean, she just becomes the characters. So it's interesting to see these two actors finally come together with the different methods and just play off each other because it's they're just fantastic actors. So tell me a little bit about the music because you say that this is everything Steven Spielberg is, his cinematography to his drama and to his music with John Williams. How does it compare? John Williams, like I said, there are quite a few times when you're distracted from the story, and it is a pretty complicated story. 
you're just distracted from that and you listen to the music. I mean, John Williams is a composer who doesn't just make music to complement the scene. He makes music to steal your attention away from the scene. And that's why all his famous music is so rememberable because you focus on that instead of the visual. And he does that again here. I mean, it's art. It sounds like it's a, it's like an orchestra that's playing for you in a theater instead of in a film. It's just so incredible, and it fits the mood so well. I mean, it goes up and down with the story. I mean, John Williams, he's probably the best, in my opinion, he is the best in the business for cinematography. I mean, not for cinematography, for um, for music, for films. Definitely. I, he's up there with the legends, of course. Now, uh, should I ask you how many stars you give this? I think I have a pretty good idea how many stars you give this film. I give it five out of five stars, of course, just because of how much they did right with this. I mean, honestly, even though cinematography and music and all that, just the lighting, kind of the atmospheric lighting with a little bit of smoke and a little bit of grain and a little less contrast, it just looks so incredible. Perhaps they should have won their own colorist awards as well, just because it just fits the mood so well. And what would you say is the age recommendation for this film? So this moral of the film, it's kind of about don't censor media and kind of have the freedom of uh, press. And I think that's an important moral, but the story is very complicated. I mean, it's very political. It's about the Vietnam War scandals that happened decades ago. I think adults would relate with, to it great, especially with what's, what's going on now in the world. So I would give an age rating of 10 to 18. And simply just because I do think kids should see this and kind of understand history and we should learn from history. Well, especially in this this period of our history, we definitely need a film about journalism and about, you know, the truth and not alternative facts. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for talking about The Post. It's always a pleasure. Of course. Thank you very much. This film is in theaters December 22nd, so please go check it out. It's a perfect holiday film. With that said, you've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out our latest reviews on the newest DVD releases and red carpet events at our website, www.kidsfirst.org. Also, check out our YouTube page of the same name, Kids First. It is the holiday season. Go check out those holiday movies and curl up by the fire. Or if you're in California, curl up by the air conditioning because it's still hot over here. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Keeper Blakeslee. Happy holidays. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.